Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Continue our thought this month called See What God Does. It's kind of become a mantra of our church in that whole three-week challenge thing. But, but you know what? God can fill any space up that you welcome him into. He can fill any space, any problem, any opening, any situation, any circumstance, any physical space. God can fill up any space you give him. When you give him your heart, he'll fill your heart. When you give him your life, he'll fill your life. A heart is the, is the key, it's the core, it's the open door, but the, but the center of your, uh, is the center of everything. God wants your all, he wants everything, and the Holy Spirit wants to fill you today. Whether you've been filled with the Holy Spirit for weeks, months, years, or you're, you're born again, but you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today is a day you can welcome him to immerse you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he will be there with you in every situation and circumstance. I'm already preaching. I'm not even in the message yet. I mean, it's, it, God is moving here. Today's message is called Upside Down or Right Side Up. Isaiah chapter 64 is we're going to begin from the NIV. This scripture has been in my spirit for a few weeks. Uh, verse 1 says this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. This is Isaiah's prayer. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains or governments or kingdoms would tremble before you as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water, water to boil. He gives God a, an analogy here. He said, like I see when somebody sets something on fire and causes water to boil, I want you to come down in that way to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. When we invite God into earth, he'll open heaven. Amen? I want to weave in there. Acts chapter 17 says this, verse 5, but the Jews who were not persuaded became becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find the disciples there, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. How many know we live in a topsy-turvy world, but we're not turning it upside down, sin did. We're turning it right side up. Finally, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 said this, now thanks be to God who always, say always, who always leads us in triumph, say triumph, in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. God will fill up every space and use your life to put out his fragrance. Let's pray one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart, that the spirit of wisdom, the anointing of your spirit come and flow through us, that you can light the way, that we can see the truth, 
walk in that truth, and that truth we experience sets us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We talked about last week about being carriers of the glory of God. We said revival is for the church, preparing the containers for more of God's presence and power. Uh, you know, I want you to know revival will bless you, but that's not the point. That's not the goal. The goal of revival is not just to bless you or give you a little, isn't that great? I, I feel so much better now. It empowers you to be a blessing to others. The 20th century revivalist Vance Havner once said, and I said this last week, I'm going to repeat it this week. What we call revival is simply New Testament Christianity, the saints going back to normal, getting back to the book of Acts. We need to reset the new normal once again in this generation. Say amen. amen. Now, as we move forward, I want to talk about something we've, we've, in our terminology, we've had for 30 years or more, and that is the understanding that there are moments where heaven seems closed and places and people and communities where heaven is open. And so an open heaven, revival is God's way to open up a clear pathway from heaven to earth. I had the privilege, uh, we were hosting some friends the other day uh, down from Boston, uh, and we were hanging out over at the beach on Tuesday night. There was a launch, uh, one, of the, one of the rockets, one of Elon Musk's rockets. And so we went over to the coast right on the beach to see it go up. And it was spectacular. And when they got to the place where the, where, where the stages, the, the rocket boosters were dropping off, uh, it was a real interesting effect because of the atmosphere that night. It doesn't happen every time. But this, you could see these lights as these things start to separate, and it formed this, it looked like a portal. It looked like something from one of my uh, grandson's video games. It looked like this portal, it like an opening in the heavens, and it just, it just was wild to see that. And then you could actually see some of the boosters, you could see the lights from them as they were coming down and landed off the coast in a little X area. And it was just a miracle, amazing what happens now that they can do with those rockets. But I thought about that portal. You know, the phrase open heaven appears many times in scripture, including at Jesus' baptism. It says, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending upon him. We desperately need an open heaven. We desperately need an open heaven over our church, over our families, over our region, over our state, over the people of our nation. We need a fresh move of God. We need an open heaven. But I want you to be reminded that the openness of heaven, according to scripture, is never based on the repentance of the wicked. It's always based on the repentance of the church. It begins at the house of God. It doesn't begin with every, you know, everybody confessing their sin that doesn't know Jesus. That's not what revival is. Revival is for the church. It begins with us when we stop pulling the finger at everybody else and say, right here, right now, me, God, I've blown it, I've failed, I've messed up, but you're good and you're strong and you're mighty and you restore and you renew. Revival awakens things that are sleeping. As I said last week, and, and a lot of times where we have alive churches where God is moving, it's not that the church needs revival from, because everything is dead. Sometimes there are places in our church that are dead or sleeping. There are certain truths, certain things that have been, that have been dormant 
that we say we believe in, but we don't activate. And that's why it's important that we pray for the sick. That's why it's important that we cast out demons. That's why it's important that we unashamedly pray in our heavenly language. It's, a, it's, it's, it's important that we activate those gifts of the Spirit because if we don't activate them, they go dormant. That's when you need revival. We want God to breathe on us where, you know, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. We need God to move and we need an open heaven. Let's talk for a minute about spiritual climates. You know, true climate change is in the spirit realm. True climate change is something we need to be responsible for that there are certain places, that there are certain communities, there are certain churches that have, that have had that open heaven where they, they came together and sought God and, and they, began to, they began to pursue God and they began to lean into God. And it, it's not always the biggest churches. In fact, usually it's not the biggest churches. Usually it's, it's just a, it's a church with passionate people, not just there with a, with a casual interest. The early church cleared open, clearly opened up whole cities and nations in the book of Acts. That's what we're talking about. These have turned the world upside down. That was a whole city that was just, just set ablaze with the presence and the light of God and so much that it freaked out the darkness. Revival applies spiritual pressure in the atmosphere and open heaven brings that spiritual pressure. And I want you to realize that they, these people in the book of Acts, the early church, they continually encountered the Holy Spirit who filled them afresh. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit as a group collectively in Acts chapter two, had an experience with God. Out of, as a result of that, 3,000 got saved. It was only 120 out of 500 that Jesus revealed himself to. Only 120 actually waited 10 days in the upper room. Some about persevering prayer. 10 days, uh, you know, that means 380 people over a period of 10 days that started out in the upper room said, you know, I, I got other stuff I got to do. I'm busy. And God knows we have families. God knows we want to take care of our family responsibilities. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. That's really important. <clears throat> but understand that when God is moving, Jesus said, hey, wait for the promise of the Father. 120 did. Out of the 120, they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. They all spoke in heavenly languages. They all glorified God. They all magnified him in, in, in different ways. They all were there and 3,000 got saved. Revival for the church, the, 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 the awakening spills over into the community. That's the pattern even from the book of Acts. But also this, by Acts chapter four, the same people that were baptized in the spirit in Acts chapter two were asking for a fresh touch. They need to be freshly filled because they were under assault. They were under pressure. There was a backlash. There was a resistance. And so they said, God, fill us afresh. We need the Holy Spirit more than we ever thought we did. We need him in daily life. Yes. We need him not just at church. Amen. We need him in everything. Yes. And then they triumphed over the resistance and they persevered over every obstacle because the Holy Spirit was real to them. Not, not that he's not real to you, but they, 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 they knew that he was real. They experienced and they walked with Jesus by walking with the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Devils shrieked 
These who have turned the world upside down have come here also. That reaction to the spiritual pressure is part of true revival. There's a warfare that goes on in the spiritual arena, not just to open the heaven, but then to keep it open, to keep that portal open where God can move. So what does real revival look like? That's what I want to really talk about today because I want to manage our expectations here. It's not just the hoop de doo It's not just the whoo. I love the whoo. I love that stuff. I love to experience God. I've been through, I've experienced God in many ways, in many situations. I've embarrassed myself. I've definitely embarrassed my wife. In the, in the, in the presence of God, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't raised Pentecostal. I was raised Presbyterian. But I have, I have run this church in a circle a couple of times, just took off in, in, in just a dead run, just, just God on me. Just things happening. I'm not, adv- you know, I'm not advocating for you to do it today. <clears throat> I don't mean run away. I just mean like I couldn't sit still. God is real. His presence is real. And real revival always begins with individuals. Usually within the context of a local church vision, then it overflows. A lot of people ask the question, is revival sovereign? Is it just because God decides? Or is it because of the desire of people for more of God? The answer is yes. <laughs> both and. It's both and. It's, it's, it's the sovereignty of God, but it's also God moving on hearts and people and those hearts responding and refusing to just take the status quo and business as usual Christianity. Hey, let's just kind of go through the motions. And, you know, that, that's the part of the church that is the scariest part of all to me. That people can go on with God and act like, act like they're, they're in his presence when nothing's happening and just kind of go through their deal, just kind of do what they do. We, we've never been about that here. From day one, we promised we would never. Now, there, there have certainly uh, probably been times when we all were, you know, not feeling every, every goosebump or everything God was doing. But I'll tell you this, with all of our hearts as your pastors and leaders, we're never just mailing it in. We're never just phoning it in. I mean, Pastor Lindsay came back from his mother's funeral and just came in with fire. And instead of, <clears throat> instead of shrinking back, he doubled down. That's kind of, see, revival is about, it's really about being all in. You, you have to lean all in to God. Put all, your, put all your chips in the middle of the table, you know? It's, we're, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm right here. I want it all. Part of revival is this, this, this combination of sovereignty and man's free will and choice comes together in a tremendous work. The truth is God works through people. Families or groupings of people, especially. It requires repentance, unity, divine order, and then prayer. Not just, not just prayer, not just praying in what you need prayer, but seeking prayer. Seeking prayer. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder. That's what faith is, Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, it's impossible to put a smile on his face. He'll still love you, but it's impossible to please him, to bring him pleasure, to, to make Father, make your heavenly Father proud of you without faith. For he that comes to God must believe two things, 
he is God. And number two, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently, not casually, seek him out. There's a seeking out. God, I need you. I, want, I need more of you today than I had last week. I need more of you tomorrow than I have today. I need more. I, I'm desperate for more. The 120 in the, in the upper room had to go through those steps, repentance, unity, divine order, and prayer. They, had, they, they came together. They saw that Jesus was real. Peter had, had been through heartbreaking failure and denied Christ in his moment of need. And then Jesus came restored at the end of the book of John. And Jesus restored him and said, hey, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Peter had to repent from his toes, man. He had to... He had to he, he, he was broken, and now he's restored. Now he's waiting in the upper room, and he, went, he was one. Not only made it through the 10 days, he became the spokesman. He became the leader that Jesus prophesied he would be. <clears throat> but in that time, so they repented. Then they were unified. Then there was divine order. This is interesting. Before God could move in Acts chapter 2, the very end of Acts chapter 1, the 11 disciples that are left said, hey, wait a second. Here's a verse the Holy Spirit just brought up about in the Psalms, it says, let another take his office. We got to fill, we only have 11. 11, 11 is not a, a number in the Bible of, of order. You know, 12 is a number of order. The, the, the months in the year, you know, the, 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 there's the 12, a, a, a dozen. There's 12 is, a, is, a, is, an order, is, a, is an orderly number. They said, hey, we need to, if we're going to get, if we're going to have God move, we need to fill Judas's spot. And so they began to seek the Lord. They cast lots, which uh, they didn't have to do much after that. But at that time, they're saying, we need, to, we need the Holy Spirit to show us. And they choose to put up two guys and they cast lots. And they said, Holy Spirit, which one do you choose? They chose a guy named Matthias. And um, I'm sure Matthew objected and said, wait a minute, that's too close to my name. But, he didn't, but, they, but anyway, they put him, Matthias, they put him in. And as soon as they did that, then it says they were in one accord. In one place, unified, together, together, alike, alike. They were like-minded. They weren't just together in a box. They were like-minded in what they were pursuing. They were together, together, alike, alike. And in that presence, the power of the Holy Spirit fell. We need that same type of passion, that same type of order, that same type of like-mindedness. The believers who stayed the 10 days were all in. The question is, are you? Because if we're not all in this together, then you're, you're, you're the stick in the mud. I'm not trying to be ugly here. I'm just trying to say, you're, you're the one holding everybody, everything else back. We need to be unified in that we're not gonna settle for just business as usual churchianity, okay? We're not gonna just go to church and just do our deal and just go home and just do whatever we want. No, we, we wanna encounter the Holy Spirit at church, in our homes, in our community. We, we need God to move in, in, in Gainesville. We need God to move in the villages. We need God to move in Ocala. We need God to move in Crystal River and Daytona Beach. And that whole region has been our region since we first started. God said to us when we first started, you know, we were, we were down in, in Bellevue in a little lawnmower shop down there when we first started. 33 years ago, almost 33 years ago. And um, I remember people said, well, 
you know, we need to make sure we're really, you know, going after the, 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 the Bellevue people. This is, a, this is a, you know, this is a neighborhood church. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. This isn't a neighborhood church. This is a regional church. Amen. Oh, we don't know what that is. Well, I said, well, just watch. I don't know what it is either, but that's the word God gave us, so let's just watch. And I'm telling you, it was so wild. We had, a, we had people right away driving from Inverness every week. We had people right away coming from Gainesville regularly. We had people, we had a lady that was in our church that had to move for her job to Jacksonville. And for a while, she drove every Sunday from Jacksonville. That's like two, two and a half hours. We always had people come from Orlando. I mean, Gail, Gail Chalk started out driving up. She was uh, still uh, getting her degree at UCF, living in Orlando. And she started commuting just up here for church. And she came for for Sundays and she came for midweeks and she came for Friday nights from Orlando. You know, we had, we, I can look around this room and see that many of you that came, not many of you were from the neighborhood, okay? Uh, we need neighborhood people too. Don't ever get me wrong. We want the neighborhood people to feel welcome. But I look around this room and th- there's a whole lot of people driven a whole lot of time for a, for a long period of time to get here. That's supernatural, Okay, that's supernatural. That's part of how God opens heaven because you're already all in when you've driven an hour. I mean, talking about commitment. I mean, it's just powerful to see commitment like that. God wants to open heaven over a people that are all in. Sometimes the commitment and the passion are really um, part of the crucial aspect. Give God your all in. Scary and unpredictable atmosphere to live in when you're, when you're open and you're all in to God, when you're, when you're passionate for him and you're like, God, I, I need to see you move. That is the best atmosphere to live in because that's what opens heaven. Yeah. One man said, I'd rather have 120 who are passionate for God than 10,000 with a casual interest. And I'm, I, I love church growth, but I've never, my, my goal has never been to be the biggest church in the city or the megaest church in the mega church world, but to be the most passionate, to be the most connected, the most committed, the all in people. And, and, and you may start, you may come here and not have that in the beginning, but we hope you'll catch that in our three week challenge that you go, wait a second, these people aren't just gonna settle for just kind of, you know, religious uh, pomp and circumstance. We're not going to just go through ceremonies and rituals. We want God. We want God. We want God for real. We want the real presence. We want whatever he wants to do. We want ever, whatever his timing is. We want all that, right? And so we want to be more than a revival center. We want to be a place where God can move over a long period of time. That's, that's harder. When you're connected and committed to the cause of Christ, You have the power to turn the world right side up. Every place you go, when you are passionate for God and you're open to the spirit of God, you don't have to shrink back from the warfare for the soul of your nation or the soul of our community. God is moving. And I'm telling you, whether you've thought about this lately or not, you are a world changer. You are a world changer. See, the problem is we feel so small and insignificant as individuals, don't we? 
Sometimes we can feel that way in our community, as Pastor Lindsay talked about a few weeks ago, about Ocala, or that limitation, that limited mindset of people's attitudes toward our community. Listen, God can change the world through a manger in a, in a stall, in a barn. He can change the world from a small place like, like Nazareth. He can change, he can work, he can move. The Welsh revival was started in a little town from a handful of young people that said, we want God and we're not gonna take anything but God. We want God. Yeah. And Evan Roberts led this whole move that uh, it kind of, it, it, it kind of went sideways later on because he, he wouldn't lead. He didn't want to be a leader. He was a reluctant leader. And so the Welsh revival kind of uh, started something but ended with a thud but spread to the world. It spread to the world. You can be a world changer. And I want to say this to you. And we'll talk about this more next week. Your kids are supposed to be world changers. Your kids can be world changers. I've had people tell me, well, we don't know if we want to have kids because of the condition of the world. Who wants to have kids when the world is so dark? What an attitude. What a situation. Are you kidding me? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, take dominion. The first part of take dominion is be fruitful. Reproduce after your own kind. Spirit, soul, and body. Reproduce in others. If you raise your kids to be world changers they will be world changers. There's such power when we're in agreement as a community. I want to give you a little bit of a shocking story here. You know, the enemy often counterfeits God's kingdom principles and kind of tries to manipulate them for his own cause. Um, and I want to say in preface, if you're newer to now church, you, you need to know this. We love everybody we want everybody to, to encounter Jesus here. We don't care what your sin is, what your sin was. We don't care uh, 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 all those things. We want everybody to be welcome here, to be born again, to be set free from demonic power and to come into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We un we're unashamed of that. But I, I say that because I want to read you a little uh, reference from the book I've been reading on revival by Pastor Che An. Uh, you know, and I say, if, you're, if, you, if, you're, if you have kids here or you have kids with you watching right now, you might want to just cover their ears for a minute because this is a little bit sensitive material, but this is really important. I want you to guess, I was shocked with this story. Pastor Cheon references a book called After the Ball, written by a neuropsychologist, Marshall Kirk and Hunter Manson in 1989. And I researched it after I read it in the book. This is true. There was a historic meeting in February 1988 in Warrington, Virginia, where 175 top gay activists met for a weekend retreat and had what they called a war conference to strategize how to change people's perception in America of the gay community with the ultimate goal being to legitimize same-sex marriage. Basically, they wrote a manifesto and committed to a huge nationwide media campaign that they would work through news media, they would work through sports media, they would work through Hollywood specifically to promote acceptance in American life. <clears throat> they formulated a 30-year plan where they set out to switch terminology from the word homosexual to the word gay, implying how happy they were. 
175 people. And skillfully, they twisted the language to make it, listen, this is part of this plan, this meeting, that, to make it sexual discrimination to oppose their agenda, making it for the first time a civil rights issue. They basically grabbed the civil rights issue and said, we're going to use this for us even though it doesn't apply to us. And then gay rights as the issue would imply that everyone who is against their agenda or opposed their agenda is a bigot or intolerant. My friends, they accomplished their diabolical goal in 27 years with the 2015 Supreme Court ruling. In less than 30 years, gay marriage became the thing and the law of the land. The point is this. If the lost and unrighteous of our generation could set themselves in agreement against the word of God and issue decrees of deception to steal the moral values of a whole nation, how much more good can we manifest if we'll be that connected and committed to the truth? Amen? See, that's the point. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm not even really talking about that issue. I'm just about, we can see the evidence that what they did worked even though it was in the realms of darkness. But do we not serve greater is he who is in us than he that's in the world? That where two shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done by our Father which is in heaven. So the problem is not that we don't have the right issue or have the most powerful God, the only God, the only wise, the only true, the only living God. The problem is connection and commitment. Part of the revival we need is the body of Christ is to remember that the greater one lives inside of us, a revival of, listen, faith and confidence. Faith and confidence in our God. I love this statement. God never intended us to fulfill the great commission apart from his power. Let me say it again. God never intended to, us to fulfill the great commission apart from his power. That's why in Mark chapter 16, part of the whole great commission is, and these signs shall follow them that believe. People need more than head knowledge. Excuse me, they need more than head knowledge. They need heart experience. We need revelation. We need God to move. We need him to show forth his power. One more story and I'm almost done. A pastor was on a missions trip to Mozambique with well-known apostolic missionaries, Heidi and Roland Baker. I don't know if you've ever heard of Heidi Baker and Roland Baker, but very powerful um, couple. The pastor was visiting Mozambique with them, and they were preaching the word from a flatbed truck rolling through a small village when angry Muslim antagonists began throwing stones at them with the intention of killing them. While dodging the stones, Heidi shouted to the pastor, don't worry, this is normal. <laughs> the amazing thing is, not only were they uninjured, but she then invited her attackers and others to bring their lame, their blind, their sick, and their injured people out to her Jesus meeting so she could pray for them. And in testimony after testimony, People were completely healed by the power of God, then received Jesus as Lord and Savior, and that community then burst into a move 
and became changed by the power of the Holy Spirit working through his people. That was, after it was all over, the bakers shared their story with their American pastor guest. They said in 1997, as worn out missionaries with very little success and desperate for a fresh touch from God, another great definition of revival, by the way, a fresh touch from God, they flew to Toronto, Canada, where God was moving powerfully at the time, and some of you remember the Toronto Blessing. It was advertised as a whole lot of wildfire and stuff happening. I didn't go there personally. I, I, I was with other people that had been there and experienced great blessing from, from them having gone, but I never felt I was supposed to go up myself. But they went, to, they went to Toronto, Canada, kind of limping in from the mission field, if you will. They were hit by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Heidi tells a story, she was not only knocked to the floor, she was basically glued to the floor, unable to move from that spot except to go back to the hotel where people have to take her out to go to the bathroom, bring her back in. She was glued to the floor for seven days. All she did was drink water and lay on this floor in the presence of God where this revival was taking place. I said last week, uh, you know, I don't care if you fall out or you're glued to the floor soaking in whatever. It's how you get up. Well, before that couple went to that move, they had very few people saved. They were, they'd planted a few weak churches. They'd won only a few souls in years and cared for a handful of orphans. But upon returning from that experience with the Chabad, the glory, the, the weightiness of God, pushing them down, dealing with them and empowering them. When they got back to the field in Mozambique, they now, by the way, since 1997, have planted over 20,000 churches and feed over 10,000 orphans a day. And they said it because they were desperate for God and in the presence of God, they were changed. I'm all for revival, my friends. I'm all for the, 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 all the benefits that come with it. But if you're gonna experience him, you're gonna experience him for a purpose, for divine service, not just for you to tell people you attended a meeting and this happened. And I mean, when I was around uh, Pastor Benny Hinn years ago, you'd be shocked at how many people just wanted to tell others, uh, Benny Hinn prayed for me. Uh, and they, they'd, tell, they'd say, oh, I got, I got, I got Benny Hinn's anointing. Uh, and I was at a conference last week and I got R.W. Shambach's anointing. And I got this person. They had like anointing trophies and they weren't praying for anybody. What's the point? What's the point? That's, that's just charismatic craziness. That's why we get a bad reputation because of people that are trying to consume the tangible presence of God instead of be available to the manifest presence of God. Praise God for the power of the Holy Spirit. As Dr. Bill Hammond, Bishop Bill Hammond, one of our friends and mentors over the years said years ago in his book, The Day of the Saints, he said, the day of the saints is here. The, the final move of God the final things that God wants to do in our generation is everybody finds their place of kingdom service. No more spiritual superstars, he proclaimed. It's not the day of big names, but it's the day of the body of Christ. 
The glory of God begins as a personal encounter with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Salvation plus the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Out of these encounters, people start sensing God's presence on you. I'll finish with this. I don't know if anybody has a, some of you ladies might have a little perfume bottle with you. Uh, I'd, love, I'd love to use it. You know, the, the, word, the, the word for those perfume sprayers is an atomizer. Some that takes liquid and puts it in a, a, a form that's a, a, a little spray, just a, a small mist that comes out. When God says through us, he diffuses the fragrance of his glory He's taking the living water inside of us and allowing us everywhere we go. You know, you ever been to Dillard's or Macy's or a nice department store? You walk in the door in the, the whole area and they, they're, they're standing like, they're, you know, they're like, spritz, spritz, spritz. They're trying to shh, shh, just get it, you know. Hey, would you like to try this? Would you like to try that? The Bible says that that's what you are for God that if you can experience the depth of him and the width of him and the height of him and his love and his power, when you're around people, you're not even trying. You don't even have to press the button. God's the one that presses the button. You're just the atomizer. The Bible says it through Jesus and his sacrifice and your encounter with him, you are the fragrance of Christ. Not just to God, but to the lost. You smell like Jesus. You smell like the Jesus they need to encounter. You carry the manifested fragrance of God in you, but you can only spritz to the degree you've been filled up yourself. Over the next few weeks, we got three Sundays till Easter. <clears throat> this year, because well, of construction, primarily we, we, we can't do a helicopter event. We can't do, last year we did, we did a petting zoo right out here for the kids, bring them out for Easter. Awesome. This year we got big plans, but it's all in this building because that building's not ready. So we're not going to do a big push on Facebook and advertise, ta-da, we're doing stuff. We're going to have special stuff for the kids. It's going to be great. But this year, we're relying on you to get filled up fresh with the Holy Spirit and to go out and spritz on the people the next three weeks. Make them want to be here. Give a reason for the hope that's in you when they ask and be a bringer. Because revival starts with you and God and spreads out in the overflow. May it be said of our generation, these who have turned the world upside down are right here in North Central Florida. Right here in the Gainesville area, the Ocala area, the Villages area that whole place. May it be said, world changers are here. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to go all in with you. Lord, as the man 
with the demon-possessed son said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, we say, Lord, we desire you, but help us to desire you more. We want you, but help us to want you more. Give us an unquenchable thirst. Help us to be filled and yet hungry. Help us to be filled and yet thirsty for more of you. We need more. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and fill us afresh? Lord, for anyone in the room that's invited your spirit to fill them yet hasn't experienced the fullness of praying in the spirit or that heavenly language being released from heaven, I just break the hindrances down in our minds. We pull down the strongholds in our minds and we release the fullness of the experience and the encounter with God in the name of Jesus be filled with his spirit receive that tremendous power that's available encounter him and then utilize what's happened to you to bring the fragrance of Jesus into everybody you meet, everybody you touch, everybody you serve, and everybody who serves you these next few weeks. People are looking. You know, this time of year, it's funny, we were talking to a little Catholic man a few weeks ago. Pastor Tristan was talking to this guy. <clears throat> he said, you go to church? He said, well, my wife's Catholic, but I don't really go. But he said, uh, I go Christmas and Easter. I go Christmas and Easter. You know, a whole lot of people, not just Catholics, that have failed to see the relevance because of the religious traditions of men that have made the word of God powerless in their churches. They don't see much of a need, but for Easter, they're still looking. And it's not a question of if they'll go, it's a question of where they'll go. Would you be one of those that would be available the next few weeks to pour out something of God and what he's done inside of you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your anointing. That the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not reserved or limited to pastors and leaders, but the anointing of God is on everyone who serves in the kingdom in any way, shape, or form that you come and work through workers. We need you, Holy Spirit. We invite you. I'm not gonna have you come up to the front right now, but if you're not born again, if you don't know Jesus, or if you've been playing both sides, you know, one foot in the world and one foot in the church, you know, at some point you have to make a decision which... It's like the story of the guy that had his one foot on a dock and one foot on a boat in the water. You know, eventually you're going to have to make a decision or you're just going to make a splash. Make that decision today that you're all in with Jesus. And then for those of you that maybe you've kind of hid out here for maybe for years, and you don't activate the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they become dormant in your life. You need a personal revival and revelation of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I'm not trying to embarrass somebody here, so we're not gonna 
This is not a public display thing, but I want to challenge you. If you've never, listen, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, he that speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. No man understands him, but in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. He speaks the mysteries of God. He speaks the mysteries of God. When you speak the mysteries, your, your brain doesn't understand right away, but your spirit knows. Some of you have that, that gift, and you, we, we call, just like with the, the day of Pentecost, the, the, the gift of, of, of prayer language, a heavenly language, is, is given to everybody. Everybody in the, in the upper room spoke in other tongues, everybody. Everybody uh, on the road, as Paul was talking to different people, and he said, did you encounter the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. He said, then what were you baptizing? They said, baptizing in John the Baptist's baptism. He said, oh, okay, well, you're just at the doorway. You need to come all the way in, my friend. I want to challenge you today. Not just be open. I want to challenge you to seek, to pursue an encounter with the mighty Holy Spirit this week without shame, without fear, without trepidation. I want to challenge you in your bedroom to seek, to seek the Lord while he may be found. I want to challenge you to say, God, I want my heavenly language. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 4, that, that, he, that the person who speaks in their heavenly language uh, edifies themselves. God doesn't want you to have, not have a gift that everybody else has to, to edify. People make all kinds of excuses. I hear people, I've heard people say, have people say this to me. <clears throat> well, if God wants to baptize me in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, he knows where I live. What kind of statement is that? Would you ever say that about salvation? Would you ever say, well, if he wants to save me, he knows where I live. No, you have to, to get saved, what? You have to hear the word and you have to respond to that word in faith and you have to invite Jesus in. It's the same with the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the release of the gifts of the Spirit. Don't be afraid of the gifts just because your brain doesn't understand. This is time to get beyond that and let your, let your inner man flow with the flow of God. If you're here today and you've never prayed in the Spirit, you've never had that heavenly language, or, or maybe you've just had that initial release, but you don't utilize that heavenly gift on a regular basis, I want to pray for you right now. And you don't have to raise your hand or come in the front. I just want to pray for you right now. The first step is Jesus is the Lord of your life. That's the only prerequisite to being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you pray in the Spirit on a regular basis as part of your equipment and you activate that on a regular basis, would you raise your hand just wave at me right now? If that's a regular part of your life, okay, you can put your hands down. I'd pray for everybody, Lord, that couldn't lift their hand up with conviction right there. I pray, Lord Jesus, John the Baptist said that you would baptize with the Spirit and with fire. I ask you to come and fill people, baptize them, immerse them in the Holy Spirit and in the power of the fire of God. Set your people ablaze, oh God. Do a work in them. Come and fill us right now. If you're open to God, just eat whether you pray regularly like that or not. Just everybody, just lift your hands up and just say, Lord, come and fill me. I need a fresh touch from heaven. Baptize me, immerse me. In the name of Jesus, he'll meet you right where you are. 
begin to praise him. If you can pray in the spirit, begin to do it right now. Just loud enough for your ears to hear your voice. Oh God, we need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. He'll meet you at your point of faith. He'll meet you right there. He'll meet you at your point of faith. If you don't know what we're talking about, don't just leave and go, I don't know what they're talking about. Just ask somebody. Find people that have been in the church for a while. A lot of these folks that sit toward the front have been here for years. Come find somebody. Say, you know, I need prayer. I want, I, I want that. I don't want to be. I, here's the prayer that we prayed. Here's a dangerous prayer. Father, I want everything you have for me. That's the danger prayer, okay? When we did that, my wife and I had a little bit of a tussle because she, she said, I want everything he has for me except that. And I said, I've made, I just got to the place. I want everything, even if it means I'll be weird. By that night, she was weird before I was weird because God has a sense of humor. God can do anything. Make yourself available to him, amen? I'm not gonna do anything further on this, but you need to do something and activate the truth you've heard and God will meet you. And we, I wanna hear from you. I wanna know, you can email me this week at the church, at the app, whatever, to email Pastor Chris, he'll get to you. I wanna hear from you this week if something fresh is happening with you in your relationship with the Holy Spirit as he points you to Jesus, okay? Amen. Give him praise today. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you 